Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Aesthetic Insider Radio. This is your host, Angela Omaro. In this insightful interview today, we have Dr. Jacob Hayavi, a cosmetic surgeon who practices at Inland Cosmetic Surgery in Rancho Cucamonga, California. One of the most important things in the practice of Dr. Hayavi is what he considers his natural Hayavi look and appearance for all patients that delivers vibrant, youthful, precision results, but with natural aesthetic balance. There are several different procedures that we're going to talk about today, one of which is the tubo, which is for breast enhancement, the inland innie, which is for uh, mommy makeover, tummy tuck, and um, belly button repair procedures, as well as facelift and just other types of cosmetic treatments that in Dr. Hayavi's um, practice is, is truly created by delivering this natural result. Dr. Hayavi, welcome to Aesthetic Insider Radio. It's a pleasure to have you on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be on with you, Angela. Absolutely. Well, before we kind of go into, you know, the the practice and this natural cosmetic look that you provide, um, you know, can you take a few minutes for those listeners who might not be familiar with you just to tell us about yourself, who you are, and and, uh, where you're located and, and the focus of your practice? Sure. Yeah, we're located in Southern California in uh, Rancho Cucamonga, and I've been in uh, practice uh, here for the past 19 years. Uh, We have a state-of-the-art freestanding outpatient surgery center where we perform all of our procedures. And uh, my training uh, um, was mostly done in New York, uh, uh, residency and and, uh, medical school, and the fellowship that followed uh, specifically concentrated in cosmetic surgery in Texas. And uh, I started practicing here in the year 2000, and uh, time flies. Here we are, 2019. Uh, I do have a fellowship program uh, that's accredited by the American Academy of Cosmetic Surgery, and I train other surgeons uh, in cosmetic surgery as well, which is very satisfying and and, satisfying. professionally keeps me at the edge, uh, which I like. Absolutely. And I I understand at one point in your career you were actually the president of the California Academy of Cosmetic Surgery, which is is a very prestigious opportunity for any practicing physician. Yes, that was a privilege to uh, serve the CACS as the president uh, and uh, also the American Board of Cosmetic Surgery uh, which is a national organization, and uh, it was a great opportunity to uh, uh, see how these organizations work and help enhance the education and training of the surgeons of the future. Absolutely. Well, let's talk about your practice and, and the motto of um, Inland Cosmetic Surgery, look your best, feel your best, and this natural approach to cosmetic surgery. You know, Can we talk just about what that approach is and how you and the other physicians in your practice all follow that philosophy. 
Yes, of course. Uh, you know, cosmetic surgery, uh, whether it is for uh, the face, uh, breast, or uh, body, a lot of patients that are considering it are, um, of course, scared of, of looking unnatural, especially when it comes to uh, face procedures, which uh, you know are visible and you can't hide. And uh, from the beginning and throughout uh, my training, um, the stress uh, was to make sure uh, whether it is uh, where we place our incisions or the technique of where we're enhancing, whether we're enlarging or making structures smaller or uh, elevating things that have sagged over time to make sure that it looks very natural. So that, that type of philosophy has really um, penetrated uh, my thinking about every part of every procedure that I do and the techniques that uh, I've have become accustomed to uh, that produce the results that we get um, are all geared towards producing a nice natural result to make the patient look great and feel great without, you know, and it's anybody else uh, knowing it really. Most of my patients, whether they have a breast enhancement, you know, a mommy makeover or a facelift, will get lots of compliments but uh, the people giving them the compliments won't know what type of procedure they had. They'll make comments like, oh, you look so refreshed. Uh, you know, did you change your makeup? Did you change your hair color? Or did you lose weight? You know, um, comments like that, uh, that makes the patient feel, of course, good about themselves. But they don't say things like, oh, what did you do to yourself? You look different. Uh, you know, those are not yeah. the comments that we want after we perform a cosmetic procedure. Um, so that that's uh, really what it means, um, natural, you know, natural uh, by Hayavi. And that's what we uh, thrive for. And that's what I teach my fellows uh, during the fellowship. Those are the types of results that uh, our patients want and uh, really make us successful. Now, do you ever have, you know, I mean, like I would imagine the majority of people want also, you know, patients coming in also want to look natural and, and don't really want, I mean, they want to see a visual improvement, you know, they want to see a difference, um, but they still want to look like themselves. Um, right. Do you ever have, have a patient comes in when you know that their ideal and what they're asking for might not give that natural result? And if so, how would you handle that? Yes, that that happens occasionally, and and uh, we do have patients that come in with some um, unrealistic expectations. Um, and uh, what what we do usually is uh, we'll discuss the procedure and options uh, after the patient tells us what what they're concerned about, and then we show them some before and after pictures. And when it comes to uh, nose surgery, uh, specifically rhinoplasty, we'll actually take their picture and do morphing uh, where we change the image on the computer and uh, we'll we'll do that morphing to what looks you know natural and achievable in the operating room and if we see that the patients you know want more drastic uh, results we'll make the changes and then I'll make make sure that they see that that may be unrealistic it may be too much um or if you know we're showing them before and after pictures and Let's say I have a picture that, uh, in my opinion, looks average, and a picture, in my opinion, looks like an excellent result, and the patient says, oh, no, you know, that doesn't look good enough. I, I think I want something more. Then I will have a discussion with them that say that that is unrealistic and, um, you know, uh, that is not something that we can achieve in surgery, 
and I think you would be uh, setting yourself up for a disappointment. So um, uh, either, you know, two, two scenarios can happen. Either the patient realizes that they're unrealistic and they change their, you know, way they're thinking about their procedure or that they move on and find another person to do their surgery. Uh, but yeah. I find that, you know, with, with a good explanation and, and understanding, patients usually do choose um, the natural results and they want a realistic uh, result and enhancement. But sometimes uh, that's a minority of the case. I would say 2 to 3% of the patients are unrealistic and then we just, I refuse to do surgery. I'll just tell them that I cannot achieve those results for them. Yeah, yeah, and I and I would say that's kind of industry standard. Is you know that the majority of people do want a natural ro result, and then there is the one you know that you do see that one person that everybody sees and says, "Wow, they've had you know plastic surgery," <laughs> and it's really right. obvious, you know. And, right. But I think most people don't want to be that person. So, but it, it's good to hear how you actually manage that type of a situation. Now, now, with the procedures that you offer, what would you say, um, and in the procedures that you know we, we have discussed about talking about today, um, would you feel is kind of a signature to you technique that um, you know perhaps we can talk about um, in depth a bit more? Yeah, there are a few procedures that uh, we're well known uh, for. Uh, one of them is the transumbilical breast augmentation, so the belly button breast augmentation, uh, as well as uh, our uh, mommy makeovers with the way we recreate the belly button. We actually uh, ended up trademarking it uh, a couple of years ago. We call it an inland inny because we get so many referrals and compliments uh, for our belly button and the uh, natural results we achieve with our facelift. So those are probably the top three procedures in, in uh, my practice. Well, let's talk about, you know, the, the tuba you know, um, breast technique that you just mentioned, because, you know, there are several different methods of, you know, performing a breast augmentation surgery. And so, you know, it would be great if you can offer our listeners a little bit more of an in-depth about the tuba and um, describe it and explain, you know, the difference in, in that and other, you know, breast augmentation techniques. Right. So what's unique about the uh, belly button breast augmentation is that the incision is far away from the breast, it's inside the belly button and it's hidden. So there are um, no signs of an enhancement uh, on the breast themselves and uh, patients look very natural. Um, because the procedure is done with blunt instruments, we're basically using special instruments to create a space underneath the pectoralis major muscle. And then we expand that space with um, expanders and do the dissection endoscopically. And once the dissection is done, then we put in the implants. The only limitation to this procedure is that it can only be done with saline implants. Unfortunately, we cannot uh, uh, expand silicone implants inside the body. They come in pre-filled, so we cannot put them into a small incision. But saline implants can be rolled in into a, a thin um, cigar-like or a tackle-like uh, structure, and they can be very easily tunneled up uh, to the pocket that we create uh, underneath the muscle and the breast, and we can fill them at the time of surgery. Um, you know, overall, uh, I've done thousands of these, uh, probably close to 5,000 now, uh, belly button breast augmentations, and the patients are, 
Yeah, very happy with the results. They um, settle naturally into their pockets. Uh, in general, they have less discomfort uh, after surgery. Uh, they have no restrictions in the movement of their arms, and uh, they regain their sensation faster. Um, of course, other techniques are, are um, you know, can achieve great results as well, whether we make an incision under the fault or around the areola. You know, patients can get very good results as well. Uh, but sometimes there can be a visible scar, and, and uh, it's a total sign of a, of a surgery that has been performed. How and, and why did you start performing the tuba procedure? Were you, were you doing that before you did other t techniques with the breast, or was this, you know, kind of you've been doing some breast procedures, you had learned and developed the breast of the tuba, or how did, how did that kind of come about? Yeah, um, good question. It actually, um, uh, I got interested in it when I was uh, in my fellowship training in Texas with uh, Dr. Tobin, and um, he did not perform the procedure. He was performing majority of the breast augmentations through the axilla, actually, and uh, that's a very nice technique as well. Uh, but I found out that the patients had um, a little bit more uh, difficulty with raising their arms the first week and uh, maybe a little bit more discomfort. And I uh, visited a surgeon in Dallas-Fort Worth. Uh, his name was uh, Dr. Miles. And uh, God bless his soul, Dr. Miles has since passed. But uh, he per I saw the tuba procedure in his office first, and I thought, wow, what a nice technique of putting in the implants. And then I came out to California and visited Dr. Leventhal and uh, saw him and uh, spent time with him uh, doing the technique, and uh, he really taught me his way of doing it. And then uh, over the years, uh, I joined Dr. Leventhal in practice eventually and, and took over the practice uh, in 2003. I developed my own little variations of how I do it, and, uh, you know, that has become my, my technique for the past uh, 15, 16 years. Um, but it's just a transformation. You know, when uh, you watch a good procedure, and you like it, uh, you you end up spending more time studying and, and perfecting that technique, and uh, you end up with uh, your own little nuances uh, that, you know, make the procedure uh, better for you. And that's what happened with me and the trans-umbilical breast augmentation. Now, is, is, is the tuber breast augmentation procedure suitable for all patients? No, it's not. It's not suitable for all patients. Uh, you know, it's it's uh, suitable for majority of patients, but patients that have tuberous breasts or have uh, rib cage abnormalities uh, or any uh, type of a scar that would be along the line of our tunnels from the belly button to the breast would not be a good candidate for uh, a tuba procedure. Uh, but let's say. Uh, a young uh, woman that has small breasts and uh, has normal anatomy or someone that had a, a child or two and uh, has breastfed and now has lost volume in their breast but still has enough thickness to cover the implants, those would be perfect candidates for the procedure. And how fast is recovery? Is it, I mean, compared with other breast augmentation procedures? You know, regardless of the incision, I recommend a week off of work and uh, three weeks of non-strenuous activity. Uh, but I, I can uh, say that the majority of my 
tuba patients are back to work within four or five days, and uh, um, they they do very well, and they just seem more comfortable a lot faster than the other patients. That's great. That's great. Now we're about halfway through our show, and um, I know we have some other you know exciting techniques that we want to talk about, and so um, I'd love to hear more about the inland inny and the uh, the mommy makeup yes. that you mentioned earlier. Yeah, so uh, um, as you know, the mommy makeovers are, are fairly common procedures uh, because uh, women after childbearing, their bodies do change, uh, you know, their breast atrophy and uh, sometimes their skin stretches and they develop stretch marks and uh, loose skin in the lower abdomen. So oftentimes we'll combine breast augmentation and tummy tuck um, or a variation of breast augmentation and lift and a tummy tuck and some lipo, and those are called mommy makeovers. Um, you know, uh, the, the two things that make us special with our mommy makeovers is that we can combine the belly button breast augmentation and a tummy tuck, and again, that, uh, you know, no cuts on the breast at all. You know, the incision is uh, around the belly button, for the breast augmentation and the tummy tuck, and uh, just a lower bikini incision for removal of skin. And the way that we transplant the belly button for the patient is unique. I've developed this technique where uh, we reshape their own belly button and create a nice small innie, and all the scars fall inside the hood of the belly button. So once the patient is healed, a few months after surgery, you can't even see the scars. The scars heal so nicely, and the belly buttons look very natural. So uh, patients really like that because, uh, you know, if you can see a scar, a star-shaped scar around the belly button, it's obvious that you had something done. But with our tummy tucks, patients, you know, look very natural. Their uh, lower scar is hidden in their bikini line, and their belly button doesn't have a visible scar. So they look very nice and taut. Uh, without, you know, giving away any sign of having any surgery. So we get a lot of referrals for those. And uh, like I said, last year we decided to trademark our uh, belly buttons and call it the Inland Inni because we really get so many compliments and referrals because of it. You know, and I love to hear this because I feel like these procedures that you're talking about is as well as kind of, you know, serving double duty, if you will, because you're going in through the belly button for the breast and you're enhancing the belly button at the same time um, on the mommy makeover um, procedure. Um, but both of them seem to really correlate with your approach to the natural look, you know, in that there's no resulting scars on the breast, you know, and nor in the tummy tuck. Um, so I really find it quite beautiful that you've been able to really bring your philosophy and approach into your actual surgical result and delivery. So I kudos yes. for that. Thank you. Yes. We do our best to make make every patient look very natural and uh, really what our model says, look and feel their best. Absolutely. And how now, you know, with the moms, do you do you find that um you know, one mom speaks to another mom and, and refers patients over to you, or how how do the patients find you, I mean, for, for these Oh, yes. Uh, uh, majority of our patients uh, really come through word of mouth, so uh, I would say 85 to 90% of the patients I see 
our referrals from other patients or, or doctors. And, um, you know, it is, uh, you know, uh, um, I've had uh, sister-in-laws, I've had mothers, daughters, I've even had mothers, daughters, and granddaughters that have had surgery oh, by me. Right. I've had uh, twin sisters with their husbands, and I've had twin brothers with their wives. <laughs> so lots of combinations. Uh, but, I mean, that's, that's how... Um, uh, the practice really grows. It's really by patient referrals. Uh, happy patients refer other patients, and uh, you know I'm very blessed to have a have a really good population of patients that keep referring uh, other patients to me. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Now let me ask you because I understand that with a mommy makeover, you know that um, the, the breast and and the belly and the tummy, you know, is. Uh, is important. Do you ever kind of, you know, include any liposuction or any other treatments in um, with that type of, of a makeover? Do some moms need that perhaps after having a baby? Yes. Uh, yeah, we do include. Usually, we uh, we do include some liposuction, especially in the waist region. Sometimes we'll do liposuction on the back and hips. So depending on what uh, the mommies need. Uh, we'll propose a treatment plan that addresses the areas of concern and, uh, you know, addresses uh, what we want to create, which is a nice silhouette, a nice flow uh, from their breast to their waist to their hips and buttock and tummy region. So we really want to address all of those areas when we do it. And uh, we talk about all of that, and the patients choose a treatment plan that fits them the best, and uh, we go forward. There is no limitation to how much lipo we can do at the same time we do a tummy tuck. Uh, we cannot, because we're cutting uh, below in the bikini area, we're cutting on the blood vessels that come up and, and feed that uh, you know piece of skin, large piece of skin, and we depend on the vessels that come from above. So we cannot do aggressive liposuction on the upper uh, portion of the abdomen. Uh, mm -hmm. So that area, we have to be conservative. And... Uh, you know, if the patient has a lot of uh, excess bulk in that area, uh, we'll either help him lose the weight before surgery or offer to do some liposuction six months or a year after the surgery to help them thin out that portion. But you majority know, of really, people yeah. do well. Yeah. That's great. I mean, I, yeah, I, that, that, that is kind of a, a possible complication that I had never heard before, and so I, I think it's wonderful that you address any concerns in that area and don't do anything that could be potentially risky to the patient. Yes, of course, we always want to reap the most benefits with the minimal risk. So we discuss all of that at the time of consultation. Quick question back on the Inland Any. Um, is that a procedure that's exclusively for women? Um, is, it, uh, is it suitable for some men also? Or um, Yeah, it is. It's suitable for men too, you know, um, with with um, the advent of uh, laparoscopic uh, gastric banding and and bypass surgery, and also I've seen really a number of patients that have lost uh, over a hundred pounds just with diet and exercise and changing their habits. Uh, you know those those men also have a problem of having excess skin in their abdomen and torso and other parts of the body. So uh, we do the same technique really for men to create a very nice natural innie when we do their tummy tucks and uh, body contouring. Uh, 
and uh, we try and hide the scars the same way we do for for women to make sure that they look nice and aesthetic and they're comfortable in their skin you know and so it's not just for women um, um I've done it on men too same same results and uh, they're very happy with uh, with those types of uh, surgeries mm, that's fantastic yeah I, I actually hadn't considered you know the extreme weight loss patient you know in correlation with the types of cosmetic procedures we're talking about in the mommy makeover so that's wonderful that there's something there for the guys too um, oh absolutely yeah yeah well, Dr. Hayabi, you know, um, we do have about five or six more minutes left on our show, and I would like to discuss some of the facial rejuvenation procedures and treatments or facelifts options um, that you offer your patients. So can we discuss those a little bit, and can you explain to our listeners, you know, what facial rejuvenation procedures and treatments you do offer? Yes, of course. Uh, you know, for facial rejuvenation, we do a slew of uh, procedures uh, including uh, endoscopic uh, brow lifts, eyelid surgery. I do uh, rhinoplasty and nasal surgery as well as uh, facelift and neck lift. And I'll tell you one of the things that um, years ago I remember being interviewed and they asked me, what do you think is the best filler on the market? And it was just about the time when wrestling was uh, coming out. And I said, fat. And the person interviewing me asked, fat, what do you, th-? you know, she was surprised. And I said, yes, fat is the best filler and the oldest filler on the market. And everybody has plenty of it. <laughs> so, I mean, oftentimes when I'm doing uh, facial rejuvenative procedures, I will add fat transfer because, you know, in the in the process of aging, it's not uh, only that our skin sags and we lose elasticity, but there are uh, studies now that show that we lose volume in our face. There are more than you know 20 pockets of fat in our face, and we end up, as we age, losing about one to three cc's a year. And so um, it is natural to replace it with uh, the person's own fat. Uh, the caveat with fat is that not all the fat survives. About 50% of it survives and 50% goes away. And it depends on the area that we're transplanting the fat. But it really looks very natural and enhances the results. So if I'm doing a facelift and neck lift, I would say about 95% of the time I'm doing some fat transfer to the eyelids, cheeks, maybe the nasolabial folds or the lips or wherever the patient needs it. So that that really has enhanced the results of my facial rejuvenation as well. And just like uh, the other uh, techniques where we are trying to hide the scars, you know, for bra and forehead elevation, I usually do an endoscopic technique where the incisions are hidden in the hairline. So um, we use a telescope at uh, about 4 millimeters. It's small and we can do the entire surgery through the uh, telescope, and it, it looks really uh, uh, great. Uh, everything is magnified five times. We can see all the structures very well on a big screen, and we can protect them and do a very nice surgery. And that goes right in line with your natural results, because, of course, if you're doing an endoscopic brow lift, the, any any of the tiny incisions that you would have to make would be hidden in the hairline. Yes. Um, yes. So perfect. Perfect. Yeah, I've, I've had professionals, uh, you know, other doctors, uh, chiropractor, and uh, people that, 
you know, cannot take too much time off of work. And, you know, we've done these procedures on him and, uh, you know, they've been surprised, especially the chiropractor. He came back to me and I said, you know, I treat patients and they're looking at me, you know, I'm standing over them. And everybody said I look great. Nobody noticed my scars. Nobody told me what did I have done. They just said that I look good, and I'm really grateful for that. So, you know, that that um, just made me feel feel good that we're doing a good job making people look natural. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, let me ask you, you know, one last question here. Everybody experiences, you know, the, the physical changes of aging, and and many of us, of course, decide, you know, we're going to do something about it. So. From the procedures that we have talked about today, you know, how do you find a patient, you know, who's perhaps never had any type of aesthetic or cosmetic treatment, a surgical treatment, um, when and how do they decide it's time to consult with you, Dr. Hayavi? That's a good question. You know, uh, it depends on the patient, of course. If there is something that bothers them, if there's something that they're thinking about uh, on a daily basis, and, uh, you know, oftentimes the patients will tell me, I look in the mirror and I ask myself, who is that person? You know, if that's happening, uh, I would recommend doing some research online. There are uh, so many websites and a lot of information online about cosmetic procedures now. It's not a taboo anymore to have cosmetic uh, surgery. Uh, people can go on our website and we have information on, on all of these procedures that we talked about. And uh, once they've done some research, I would recommend uh, scheduling a, a few consultations just to hear different opinions. I mean, different surgeons may have different approaches to how they do breast augmentation or tummy tuck or facelifts or any of the procedures that we offer. And it's good to have different opinions. And really, when it comes down to it, you really have to pick uh, the surgeon that you feel the most comfortable with because... You know, let's face it, uh, cosmetic surgery is still surgery. So complications can happen. There is recovery. There is, you know, downtime. So the person deciding on this has to be realistic and uh, make sure that they are willing to undertake all of those risks to reap the benefits and also make sure that they're comfortable, that if there is a complication that comes up, their surgeon is going to be there and they'll be able to communicate to him or her and they'll be able to get through it together. So that that's uh, you know something that I tell all my patients. You know, we we discuss all all the options, but we also go over downtime risk and complications. And I let them know that if something happens, we're going to be there for them every step of the way to make sure that they're fine. Well, I think at the end of the day, as we've kind of you know we we've, we've led throughout the article, it's on you know it's the natural result, it's the safety and security of the patient. And, and and ultimately, you know, when you tell us that, you know, you know, most of your patients are coming from referrals from other happy patients, um, and you've built your practice in the Inland Empire based on that that philosophy, then um, the patients that come to you have obviously selected the right surgeon. Thank you so much. I yeah, appreciate your kind words. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Dr. Hayabi, if I, any of our listeners or our audience would like to contact you at Inland Cosmetic Surgery, um, what is the best phone number or website or email that they they can reach you? Sure, yeah. They they can always uh, call uh, call us and talk to us. Our uh, telephone number is 
0899. And uh, we have a lot of information on our website. They can also send us an email through the website. Uh, the website is called inlandcosmetic.com. So no S at the end, inlandcosmetic.com. And we'll be happy to reach out to them and answer their questions. Great. Well, Dr. Jacob Hayavi of Inland Cosmetic Surgery, thank you so much for being on Aesthetic Insider Radio. Um, I'd love to have you back on the show as a guest at some time in the future. And uh, thank you. I think our listeners have really enjoyed hearing what you have to say. Thank you so much, Angela. Thank you for having me on the program. It was a pleasure. Absolutely. Well, thank you, and have a great day. You too. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway, and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.